Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, is the jig up? Do we actually have confirmation Alison Langdon is the new host of A Current Affair? Is 10's new reality show, The Challenge, a bit of a challenge for audiences? <laughs> and will Cricket Australia be able to get big money for the next round of rights as broadcasters play hardball? You've got all the questions, but never fear, we have all the answers. In the podcast where people in the industry get their news, this is TV Black Box. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is TV Black Box. Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. We'll meet the panel in just a moment, but first it was on this day in 1978. The Sullivans first aired on the Nine Network. It ran for over 1,000 episodes and was an absolute darling at the TV Week Logie Awards. The Seven Network was always considered to be the true home of Australian drama, but this series from Nine was one of the true challenges and is still remembered fondly today. Unfortunately, Rob McKnight could not be with us tonight. Uh, he is on a special assignment uh, in the cottages uh, near Willoughby at the Nine Network, if they're still there. But we also have the wonderful Matthew Simmons. Good morning. i still got the habit. Good evening. Thank you for inviting me. We've upgraded from an ROB to an R-O-double-B-O. I love it. No, no, I couldn't stop there, actually. I felt a tingle. Uh, Thank you, Matthew Simmons. We've also got back, which we never seem to know. I'm not sure who this man is. Uh, Malk? Malk? Milk? Yeah, I'd like to introduce myself. Hello, everyone. My name is Malk, and I'm a TV tragic. (laughs) Good to have you back, Malky, of course, which we're very excited to do that. Great to have you in the big chair, Robbo. Thank you so much. And joining us this week, we have a very special guest on TV Black Box. It is none other than the executive director at Binge, Alison Herbert Burns. Ali, welcome to the podcast. Hello, everyone. Hi, thanks for having me. It's really excited to have you. Now, uh, should I call you Hubie or Burnsy? Herbie Burns was a was a nickname growing up. Um, oh, HB, I used to get pencil for HB. One boss called mm. me pencil. About okay, five no, years. No, no. No, no. That's a great stretch. I love that. Good Aussie nickname. Pencil. All right. All right. We know. Just Al. Your... It's fine. Thanks. All right. Well, we know your big boss Al at Binge, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, you've spent some time in both Dead Man's Land, i.e., free to wear, and streaming. <laughs> What's one lesson you've learnt from free to wear that you could take to streaming? Ooh. And vice versa. Everything old is new again might be one. Um, I think the second one is 
I've actually gone in a funny direction because I started in AVOD, then went to SVOD, then went to Free to Air, then went to Pay TV. I've just come back to SVOD, and now we're adding a pay um, an advertising tier to binge. Mm. So I feel a little bit um, like the lesson through the the line has been the way customers and, and viewers discover content um, might change, but some of the formulas that that make compelling television don't. So um, yeah, don't get too locked in around the way you get your shows. Um, no. Pencil, yeah. can I just ask you a quick question? Oh, God, uh, we've got to stop with the pencil. Did, no. did you say Avon at the beginning of that? Or you're Avon? Avod, Avon. Avod. What does that mean for our listeners who, who don't care for television? Uh, advertising video on demand, which became Love. BVOD in Australia, which is actually only an Australian term, BVOD, which the broadcast um, free-to-air guys kind of penned when they were competing with YouTube really early on because they were trying oh. to create broadcast quality VOD um, and differentiate that and the free-to-air kind of catch-up TV to run-of-the-mill hmm. kind of YouTube and AVOD. So, yeah, AVOD, we probably call it BVOD here, but, um, hmm. yeah, back in the, that's how old I am. Back in the day, it was <laughs> AVOD. <laughs> Stop it. Now, we need to take a moment moment to run an ad that only uh, Rob McKnight gets the royalties from. So let's run that ad now. Yeah, we won't be running that ad because he's not here. Now, um, uh, <laughs> Big Boss Al, can you see a future where free-to-air streaming can exist in this environment? That they absolutely can exist. I think you've got um, you're on you're on a carnival cruise with a buffet. You've just got lots of different plates. It's not like you've just got one big dish anymore. So um, no, I absolutely think there's a place for them, and they're, they're still pulling you know big audiences and, and big numbers. Beautifully said. All right, let's get into it. While the reveal of the next host of ACA is still yet to be confirmed, all eyes are firmly on Ali Langdon to land the gig. But who needs confirmation when you've got Kyle Sanderlands to ask the Today co-host on live TV? While interviewing the radio star on the breakfast program, Sanderlands went rogue and asked Langdon if the rumours were true and if she was stepping up to take the mantle of the flagship program. Both Langdon and fellow co-host Carl Stefanovic dodged the repeated question. Neither confirmed nor deny the heavy speculation. Take a listen. Stop the speculation. <laughs> Are you doing a current affair or has Jackie gone off to do a current affair? I don't know. Who's well, doing it? Just tell us. I reckon, I knew this I reckon have I spoken to you about a current affair or not? I reckon this might be Jackie's gig because yeah. I look, I sit next to this face and yeah. who could leave this face? Look at that. Well, the face has been left before, let's face it. Many times people have left that face over the years. Multiple times. And you can't afford any more therapy bills. So I'll just, I'll stay in a normal. Are you doing it or not? No. Five times. You're not doing it. Wow, far out. With this questioning, he should be doing a current affair. Imagine yeah. that, Kyle Sandland's doing current affair. There you go. Well, you know, the, I don't know. I, I don't know any of the real news, though. I just wing it here. Alison, there's no flat out. It's not me. Is this the closest we've got to confirmation yet? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who do you think would be a good fit? You're a well, programmer. You're a big boss. Malk and I were chatting just before we started, and I was like. Everyone's talking about Ali, but is Carl officially off the list? Has he ever formally denied or, or said he's doing it? I know there's a great raft of, of, of news people at, at nine that they can choose from. They've got no shortage on the list, as we know. But I just mm. wonder, but is, is Carl definitely off? Is he, the, is he the obvious choice that no one's talking about? Or have I missed something? Mark, what do you think? Is Carl back in the game? Oh, look, not a chance. And I think probably the most exercise Carl has done in the past six months was him dodging those questions from Kyle. Um, <laughs> I, I think there is such a wealth of talent within the Nine Stable that 
any of the people that we've talked about before prior to Carl mm. could have could fill the seat quite quite well. Mm. I think that Alison Langdon would be a great choice if indeed she is going to be the heir apparent. Um, part of the conversation I had with with Ali prior to the show was acknowledging that Alison's got great. Um, journalistic credentials. So the thing that makes ACA win when it's not dodgy plumbers and, you know, how to save five bucks in your shopping cart, it's when Tracy Grimshaw sat down and had the hard interviews, the difficult questions with insert person here. And I think Alison Langdon could really step in and do the same really, really well. She's got the opportunity to do that. Carl has a bit of an image problem where he's become too much of a larrikin in the Today Show context that even in his 60 role, he's a little too light and a little too kind of relational blokey when he does his stuff. He's not doing any kind of hard interviews or chasing anyone down any streets or anything. I think that's a good point. So uh, I, I think uh, And he can also, do it, though. We know that he can yeah, do it. Yeah, he could though. do it, but does he want to? And the nine executives would then have to deal with the market saying, why did you put a bloke into a position that a whole number of very qualified and talented ladies who work for you could also have done? would also create a, a hole so, sorry it would also create a hole on the today show like Carl would be mm. really hard to replace then yes. on the today show so is it is it um which 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 role's harder to fill i suppose but mm. he's very you know he's got such a broad base and, and a popular base and there'd be a lot of crossover between the current affair audience and and the today heartland so yeah yeah Oh, and they, they push that hard. And look, to see uh, Amelia Adams, fresh back from the States, stepping in and filling in for Alison Langdon while she was off on assignment for 60, I think it was. Um, guess who's going to get that seat when it opens up? Can you please start saying minutes, though? I, I, I don't like it when people shorten shows. So if you're going to say 60, just say minutes. Just say no minutes. Worries. Big DB. <laughs> what about Sylvia? So what about Sylvia versus Amelia? Is there... Uh, Sarah Arbo is also in the mix for today, co-host as well. Like, uh, there's a few ladies not only to take up ACA, but but to jump on and and fill what Ellie's going to leave and 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 fill that co-hosting if job. If I was like, really it, cynical, circle. Matthew, I would say that this is a really smart move on the part of the nine PR people because if they give Ali the ACA job, they then get to have another month, six weeks worth of speculation over who's going to fill the seat next to Carl. Mm. Exactly. Great well, I think it should be Yana Vent, uh, but you know, call me old school. That's <laughs> who I'm. I'm pitching, and I believe Sportsbet have them at pretty good odds. Have them. Mm. Sorry, I'm such a gen, gen stupid. <laughs> they them. Yeah. Sorry. Oh my goodness. Let's move on. Channel Ten has found itself in a bit of a slump recently, with both of their latest primetime shows failing to attract big numbers. According to five Cap City overnight figures, the Real Love Boat managed a series high. Of 215,000, while the Traitors fared slightly better with a series high of 309,000. But last night there was hope for a change of tune when 10 premiered The Challenge Australia, where a majority of its cast. <coughs> Sorry, I just, I just vomited in my mouth. Our ex reality. St- I, w- I refuse to say stars, I won't. Sure. Uh, the, the cast are ex reality people. Uh, who compete in a series of challenges to win $200,000. Let's have a listen. What an absolute joke. Uh, I can't stand influencers. Go ahead. (laughs) Roll the tape. Who are you most excited about seeing tonight? I don't know. I don't know who's here. There's lots of people here. Lots of Love Islanders. If you're a fan of Love Island. No, don't watch it. I couldn't be messed about watching that, that's for sure. Well, it did become the number one entertainment show in the under 50s, 25 to 54s and 16 to 39 demos, and I believe that they were all unconscious. The show only drew in 257,000 for its seasoned 
opener, Matthew, uh, I, I read the press release on this and I also went to Ten's website where it had to list uh, who the people were, mm. what they had done, uh, and all of it was, you know, uh, Love Island Series 3, uh, The Bachelor at Season 4. Um, I, 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 I don't care. I would rather see unknowns compete for this stuff than see these people mm. But Robbo, do it because they I don't all largely bl- are unknowns. <laughs> no, well, I, no, no, I agree with you, but I, I, I just believe I would like to see, as I've said many times in this program, uh, I'd like to see a real bachelor. I'd like to see a real bachelorette. We never do. We just can't because the Sydney bubble of casting, uh, and and this has happened again. We can't, we can't seem to have a new show without th- these people who we know are not in it for any other reason but getting money. Hmm. Matthew, did this series ever have a real chance of being a major winner? No, I don't think so. I well, I was talking to Kev Perry a little bit about this just earlier, but um, it's a very niche type of program. It, it only appeals to a certain type of audience. Now, for context, the whole premise of the challenge when it started in the US, but also how it runs through now, is that it features former reality TV st- contestant stars or whatever. So. Sure. So that, that's where I think the, the format pigeonholes itself in because if that's what's working in the US and they've got this global championship, it's what they're doing in the UK, Argentina, it mixes all of these reality contestants in for this ultimate competition. So already it was doomed to to fail because of how niche it was and, and pigeonholing itself into that bracket. However, being a fan of the US version, this, to me, it, like... It's a poor quality show. It's it's like that in the US. It, it's on MTV. It's trashy. It's dramatic. It's cheating. It's swearing. It's 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 everything over in the US. Like it, like there's really nothing that it shies away from. This met those expectations. I think pretty well with the standard that we see now of the US version. So I really enjoyed it because of what I know. However, it certainly doesn't have the appeal to a primetime TV market for everyone, let alone everyone in under fifty. So I think that that they flopped here. Alibaba, you can see <laughs> that um, that they are going for previous contestants from reality TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not well known. Uh, there are so many to choose from. It's it's it, you know it's a garden that's overgrown. What do you think about that as as a programmer and as an executive? Would people really be interested in watching someone who came fifth on Love Island series eight? <laughs> Uh, on the Nine Network when it was programmed at 9.30 at night. Do we care? Should we put normal people in? I think it's a good question because Australia's just got a smaller pool by the nature mm. of our population. So often when Absolutely. we'd be at markets and be assessing formats, you know, you'd be seeing shows and you see the Brits do it so well. They have celebrity versions of everything or they kind of, you know, they often do the first version of a show with celebrities, you know, yep. you know all the, think about all the cooking shows and stuff. And often we've looked at things and gone, especially when you've got a big ensemble cast, like are there enough people to really, yeah, to, 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 to do that and, and to, to strip across and to not have them, you know, showing up on every show. And I think that's probably just a bit of a nature that we have a smaller pool of comedians and, 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 and actors and reality stars. Yeah, it's yeah. not even reality. So I suppose for the challenge in the US, as you said, MTV, it's yeah. probably using a whole host of CBS talent that are on staff you know these are studios that have people that are like network talent but Mm. in a world where there's fewer network talent it does then make staffing these um you know difficult um and i think that's probably why we don't see as many celebrity specials generally in television and i was that you do in the uk 
Malky, really good point there from Alison. Uh, is this just another format being pushed onto 10 by the CBS overlords to make it work in a local market when it just wouldn't? Yes. Yep. All right. Thank you for that, uh, Malky. That was uh, what? <laughs> look, it, it, and, and look, just to, to hit the fact, Australia is a smaller market, but the world is about to hit 8 billion people tonight. Um, so Ew. maybe we've just got a whole other generation. You got of something influences. to tell us, Sam Malky? You've got plans <laughs> later tonight, or what? It's, the due, hell? In, it's due in six months. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look, I think the, the problem for the challenge is that Ten's audience is fatigued with new formats. They've thrown two mm. at them already, as you said in the intro. The real love boat tanked, sunk, all of the great nautical terms. Um, the Traders <laughs> Australia did a little better. Uh, however, it premiered at the same number, ironically that the Challenge Australia premiered at 257, five-city metro yeah, overnight. Okay. So yep. the, the benefit around the challenge is exactly what Matthew pointed out as to why he loves it. It is absolutely aimed at his generation um, because it is all of the tragedy and all of the trauma and people that we don't want to see, F-grade celebrities fighting, kissing, yep. pashing, and doing survivor challenges. Um the, it, it works on MTV because it hits that demo hard. Mm. Ten, who say they're the under-50s network, but also still want to sell product to anyone that will tune in, have a broader demographic sell that makes it a bit tougher. So if the Challenge Australia can get its nose above and stay above 300,000, then it's going to be competing with my mum, your dad on nine, right? Like it's really struggling for nine. So if it can get over that hump and stay up there, great. If it can't get up there, then it's absolutely cooked for 10. Maybe catch-up numbers will be bigger. They really need them to be bigger for it to be a success. I do want to say the show is abhorrent to me. However, Brianne Dawson as the, <laughs> as the host is doing a, a, just the best job that they possibly can. They're great. And he's but, excellent, excellent talent. And well done to Bev and Ten for, like, trying new things. Like, oh, outside of what you've just mm, talked about, they've had trying. Undress, they've had The Bridge, they've had things that they've just done for Paramount Plus as well. That's throwing a lot of um, new formats and new ideas out there and they're taking some swings and, and, and trying stuff. So, you know. It's, oh, and it's, they've got to, Ali. That's exactly right. They are having a go and when you compare it to Nine and mm. uh, Seven, who aren't really having a go, they're head and shoulders when it comes to let's let's try new stuff. And I think that maybe that's what's towards the Christmas end of the year, Ten are finding it difficult to hit their audience because it is so many new things. There's yeah, just this normally, avalanche of new. And normally it's a nice time to, you know, try things, you know, test them and think if they, mm. if they do do well, then you can bring them back, blow them, you know, blow them up in scale and size the yeah, following yeah. year. But it in is little good... grabs, right? Not yeah. even like let's give you eight to 12 episodes of it. Yeah, yeah. I know I just always think of when Married at First Sight, you know, how it had a couple of seasons and then um, got expanded and and exploded and and the format changed a little bit and and out it came um, out of the gate. So, yeah, but I I actually haven't watched the challenge, so I can't talk to the the episode specifically. How are they rolling them out? Uh, What's the kind of... Two nights a week. Yeah, two nights a week. Yeah, standard. Monday, Tuesday for the next three to four weeks, I think. Hmm. Sorel will be there till the very end, just crying and yelling at people. <laughs> and it disappoints me that I know who she is. <laughs> it disappointed me. That's why I was lost for words there. Let's move on. Well, if the race for broadcasting rights was an Olympic sport, it seems all three commercial networks are determined to take home anything but gold. Bosses, bosses at all of seven, nine and ten are this week eagerly awaiting the arrival of deal makers from the International Olympics Committee to strike a deal that may encompass all three of the next summer and winter Olympic Games, which includes Brisbane 
2032. And I believe that their uh, tagline is yawn. Executives <laughs> from all three networks are expected to host the stakeholders for either lunch or dinner. <laughs> Oh, a lunch? What is this, Sizzler? What are we, 1995? Although no binding nor non-binding offers for the rights are expected to be made this week. Really? Over lunch? Uh, TV rights for sport has been a hot topic in recent weeks, with Cricket Australia currently in talks with the networks about their television futures. Off the back of a $425 million deal between Nine and Tennis Australia, Nine looks unlikely to take the sport and would potentially have to bump it to multi-channels in favour of the tennis. Seven is trying to terminate their current contract with Cricket Australia in court, so it would be an awkward scenario if the two were to marry again for the summer. Also waiting in the wings is Ten, hoping to swoop in on the cricket rights with cash in their paramount pockets. But is Cricket Australia ready to take the plunge with them? Mulk, there's a lot to unpack there. First... Well, the right meal served at mm. dinner or lunch, as I've talked about, determine who takes home gold for the Olympics. What are people at the uh, the uh, IOC like for lunch? <laughs> I hear they're big fans of the schnitty, uh, and a palmer always goes down well. Particularly, one Juan, Juan Antonio Samaranch was well known for loving a good a good palmer. Yeah. Um, or palmy, so, depending on which part of the country you're in. Oh, well, we can get controversial pretty quickly. So does that mean they're going to take them to Melbourne? They're going to have a ten dollar pot in a palmy? Are they oh, having a scooter in a palmy? No, this is where the drama is. Oh my god, there's a whole I other mean, topic. This is so true. Are the Olympics a lunch or dinner that Australians still want to watch in the numbers we're used to? For the Olympics, seven have hung their hat on the fact they've been the Olympics network for ages now. Correct. They will yeah. fall over themselves to pour money at the IOC to make sure they can lock it away. And everybody will want Brisbane. Everybody will want Brisbane because it's Paris, it's LA, and then it's Brisbane. And and LA's a little bit okay, but Paris isn't great for the time time frames of when you want to broadcast stuff and you want to show it live. Paris, most of it's overnight. Um, at least with LA, we get morning, evening programming, if that makes sense. We get that carry through. Mm. Brisbane is our time zone. So we get to yeah. absolutely lean into all of that. I think And the feel of it, Australia. Like I mean oh, you can't sure. get past it's, just who we are. Yeah. It's uh, the winner is Sydney all over again, right? Like we get to have that experience just mm. poured down our backs. It is a challenge because the amount of money that they pour into it to lock it away, in this case, absolutely will be about wanting Brisbane. It won't be about Paris and LA, but it has to be it'll be seen as we can offer you all of this money for those three summer games. And that gives us good advertising and a good opportunity to build our brand and advertisers connecting in. But, Matthew, why can't we say, though, when the diminishing dollar for sport, uh, the diminishing ratings for Olympics, why can't we just say to the IOC, look, we'll pay top dollar for Brisbane. Obviously, that's in our market. But we are going to pay a far less amount for a, a, a competition that is not even in our time zone. Do you think that's okay to do? Uh, I just I don't know if that just goes with the negotiations of of television business. I, I mean, I, I, if I was the IOC, I'd be I'd be going, well, you're not getting any deal unless you can give us more money for these other games. You can't just exclusively the money. have Brisbane because because that that that's the trump card, like the, like the balls in in their pocket to 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 make that call. Otherwise, they're, they're going to just lose lose the money and lose the opportunity. So I think. I think, and I think all the networks know that 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 that's what's going to happen. That they can't just negotiate for that. I'm I'm sure they could try, but if they do, I don't think the ISC is going to like it. And I don't think it's going to really help their chances at all. 
Yeah, but I think they'd definitely be wanting um, to sell this as a package. I think you said three winters, three summers. From a free-to-air perspective, these are brand-defining moments and they're driven by the volume and how it kind of sets up your, as you would see year on year for seven even compared to last year, even if it didn't rate as well, they're going to look like they've got less ad revenue year on year because it's come out of their half. Oh, yeah, okay. And when you're doing your average ratings for the year and then that sets your share with the agencies. So, And if you know you're getting it every second year and probably one and two of them is in a good time zone, Mm. um, price being right, um, the the volume that it would drive to your ad business, which is why I also think this is such a big thing for free to air um and free streaming because it's a short period of time and uh, but the volume that you can drive during that period has a has a big impact across the rest of your schedule and what you can launch out of it versus the return you might see if it was behind a paywall and obviously there's anti-siphoning and, and australian elements that make that difficult um as well but i think if you're the ioc you've got one in europe one in america and one in eight in, in oz so I'm sure they're looking at it and going, we're going to get a better price out of the European market and probably the America, North American yeah. for those other two yeah. and then Australia. They'll, so they'll probably have different revenues coming in across each game. Um, but because they don't have back end to share with studios or producers or talent, I suppose they could divvy up how that comes. But I would almost imagine Australia might pay more for Australia, but I would think every other those other two examples you'll see more money from paris and and la because of the northern hemisphere time zones because i know that was a big part of the problem with sydney wasn't it when when it first came down to sydney winning it back in 2000 so i'm a traditional man the nine network has cricket we've always known Mm. that the seven network has the tennis we also saw that people turned on more to channel seven than they did for channel 10 for the melbourne cup because (laughs) seven had it for a long time Does tradition play a big part? This is a quick answer. Does tradition play a big part in getting these branded sports, i.e. the Olympics, milk first up? Not anymore. Al? Not anymore. Yeah, I think traditionalists like you might miss it, but they, they quickly work out where it is and, and they'll, they'll find it. Fair enough. Matt? Possibly on the basis of reputation. All right. Lovely. Let's move on now. Victoria is set to vote in their next state election later this month, but only those with Foxtel will be able to watch their leaders square off in a debate. The Victorian Labor Party has rejected Nine's offer to televise a debate between Premier Dan Andrews and opposition leader Matthew Guy, which means no free-to-air network will host such an event this election period. Matthew, uh, are Victorian free-to-air only viewers missing out on an opportunity to decide their state's future? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I I remember when we had our Queensland election a couple of years ago, I believe the only debate was on Sky and I watched it because I was interested. I'm into journalism. But like, other than that, I don't think people really cared. I think a bit bit different if you're on a federal base because that has the whole audience. But when you're focusing on a state, I think you only probably need one, if at all. Um, and if that one happens to be on Fox Talents on Sky News, well, then yeah, go have it. I, I don't think viewers will care. Most of them will have their minds made up. And if not, you've got so much technology, social media to work out who you want to vote for anyway. You'll see all the big moments from the Sky debate if you don't happen to have Fox Tell or Sky. Um, and you'll make your mind up on that. You don't necessarily have to have it at nine because, as we know, not everyone watches appointment television viewing anyway. So many people are watching catch up. So people will just catch it up on their phones no matter where it is. And don't we have, doesn't Sky go free to air in regional areas? So this is a metro problem. But we also, there's, I'm putting my Foxtel Group hat on, but Flash, which is a streaming service, 14-day free trial, sign up, watch it anywhere. So you can get Sky News, there's a way around it. And they have a really popular and really punchy YouTube channel. So I don't know. Um, 
And don't forget the relationship that Sky have with news. Mm. And in the past where it's been like that, often you'll find that the local masthead, in this case in, in Victoria, would be the Hun, will carry it live on their website for free. So, you know, the, the concern is people saying, I want to sit down and turn on my big black screen and put on the channel so that I can see the thing. And for people in Melbourne, look, honestly, I think it's a bit of an anticlimax anyway because there's no way in hell Matthew Guy is going to unseat Dan Andrews as Premier this side of the next millennium. All right. Well, earlier this year, Netflix was in a bit of strife when the streamer revealed they had net loss in subscribers for the first time in 10 years. But has Netflix managed to turn things around? Well, it might seem that way. According to their Q3 results, Netflix added 2.4 million households to its base through lots of changes, including crackdowns on password sharings and split releases for their major shows, including Ozark and Stranger Things. Alibaba, is this the right way to go? What are your thoughts? Well, I think a few things I found really interesting, not just looking at the Netflix results, but Disney and, and the, you mm. know, the wave of them we got last week out of the US is, uh, you know, a movement away from a quarter by quarter um, focus on subs. Um, and I think you'll see a broadening more generally of things that they report on. So now that they'll have additional forms of revenue with advertising once that, you know, obviously it kicked off last week or the week before, but when you start to see that meaningfully come through next quarter, um, they'll start talking to revenue. And I think with some of the fluctuations that big shows can cause or yeah. an event like you see in Disney, a lot of Disney's numbers are coming out of India through the cricket um, you sometimes need longer than a quarter to balance that story. It doesn't necessarily have to have a, an allergic knee-jerk reaction um, if the underlining story's um, got a little bit more to it. So I think there's, I mean, everyone's down, well, not everyone, but you know, a lot of businesses are down this year in the streaming sector and, the, and Hollywood. Um, they're getting good results and delivering on what the, you know, the market said they wanted, but the market's moved. Can I ask you Quickly, Alison, are there too many streaming services? Is there enough water uh, for the animals in the savannah and the animals are the streaming services? Are there en- is there enough water? Well, there's never been more shows, I think, in terms of scripted and drama being made, but the demand and the appetite continues to go up. I think it's more about having the right revenue streams to support that content supply um, and you're going through the adjustment period of you've traditionally had basic cable, premium cable, free to air, you know, most studios had multiple ways that they were monetizing through the kind of salami slices of windowing. And when you go to all in one in a low price streaming service, you either need volume and scale. And as you bring more people in, it's it's I don't I don't think the audiences aren't there and the demand's not there. I think it's just the business models um kind of adjusting to the change that we've seen over the last decade. Matthew, we've talked about this before where there might be a show on binge. Uh so you're gonna you're gonna paid for that for the month to watch the show or you're going to watch apple tv or you're going to buy different streamers but do you think more and more people are just looking at the shows that are offered by the streamers i.e the crown on netflix so a new season has come out um they're going to buy that for a month but they're not going to stay with it what are your thoughts on those on, on that kind of cherry picking of streaming um, it's certainly not something that i do i just have my my clump and i stick with that and i kind of deal with the shows that come out from that unless it's something absolutely that I want to pick up 
like AMC Plus for future Walking Dead seasons. Um, that I'll do that for. Um, but I, I do think that we're probably seeing that increasing more and more. I've, I know a couple of people that are doing that. So I, th- I think people will cherry pick depending on when their show comes out. And especially, and I know we've talked about it, my, my position on this is, has flipped a lot actually in, in the last year. But I think, you know, we're struggling with the cost of living. If, if, if you really want to see three different shows but you can only afford two different streamers, well then absolutely cherry pick between what, what comes out and when it comes out, that, that's the smartest move for your household budget, and probably where a lot of people are gonna are gonna go now. Mocky, I've only ever bought Apple TV when the morning show or the morning wars was on. Yep, uh, I've never bought it since. Um, I, I oh, Ted Lasso, no Ted Lasso. Yeah, I know. No, I, I, I oh. haven't bought that either. Yeah, but I, I love that guy. Um, but, but is that something that you do then? We've heard from uh, from Matt there. Um, I would certainly, when, when the next season of Morning Wars comes out, I'll buy Apple TV for the month. Sure. Um, and, and I would buy Netflix for the month to watch The Crown. But I'm no longer doing the suite of streamers. Sure. I'm just, I'm, I'm cherry picking for the shows that I want. And and that's the real benefit to the market, Robbo, is that all of the streamers now function effectively as an a la carte service. This month I can afford to subscribe for this. Next month I'll do that. Next month I'll do that. Because, you know, everybody knows their individual availabilities. They can't sit down and watch 1,700 hours of television in a month. Um, and so they go, but I'll save this or I know that I'm coming up for a break or a thing and I'm really keen to see The Crown. I'm really keen to see Upright. I'm really keen to see whatever the, the show is and they'll want to lean into that and take that opportunity. I'm a bad person to ask because I will saw every tier one service in Australia <laughs> I've got uh, and it costs me money and that's fine. Um, some are very generously given to me and I consume everything that I can through them. It's, it's really a marvellous situation. That said... I'm also someone who obsesses over television and wants to see and know and and access all of that content. So I'm I acknowledge I'm paying a premium for having all of those things at my fingertips. For those that choose to go, well, but I just want to do this one this month. Fine, you can also do that. I think the introduction of an ad supported, cheaper streaming tier, as Netflix have just done, Disney Plus is about to do, and Binge will do in 2023, is a really smart move to develop and grow their revenue streams as Ali was leaning into and 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 offer uh, greater subscription opportunities so that all of a sudden maybe I was only signing up for binge two or three times a year and now with the cheaper thing I can put up with some pre-roll and mid-rolls and I'll, I'll give you my whatever it is bucks a month to watch mm. it and to just keep it connected. Sorry. But I think there's a real benefit there. Sorry, Malk. Uh, look, I, 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 binge.com.au is, is the site that I go to when I want to receive free stream. Uh, sorry, binge.com.au. Uh, sorry, I'm not choking. <clears throat> One more time. Binge.com.au. So that's uh, binge.com.au. What- <laughs> yeah, binge.com.au, <laughs> um, which I am I just love watching Um Thanks to Al, uh, and Al's uh, going to help me out with that. But binge.com.au, that's where you should go. Um, and before I go, uh, just binge.com. Still to come, Channel 10 confirms a TV black box exclusive. A long-time presenter steps down, and we'll find out what everyone's been watching when we open the TV binge box. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with the me, It's a Monkey on. Oh, fuck. No, no, I Channel like 10. it. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm go, just going to keep it in there. That's the only one Rob gets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Channel 10 has confirmed a TV black box exclusive that a dedicated news service is set to return to Adelaide. From early 2023, journalist Kate Freeban will present the bulletin with Max Burford to be her sports presenter. The relaunch will still be hosted from the network's Sydney studio facility. The Foxtel Group have reported their first quarter 2022-23 results for the period ending 30 September, where total subscribers are at a record high of 4.605 million. Binge and KO were the big winners in particular, congratulations Ali, both reaching more than 1.3 million paying subscribers. That's an <laughs> increase respectively of 67 and 19% year on year. We've been busy. We've been busy more. That's more. right, binge.com.au. Foxtel, <laughs> however, ended the quarter with 1.4 million residential broadcast subscribers, down 10% year on year. A great result, nevertheless. Congratulations to our friends at Foxtel and Binge.com.au. I hope we own them. I hope we, I hope we own Binge.com.au, by the way. <laughs> 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 oh, do you know? Wait, wait, wait. Quick TV story. Hold on. Quick TV story. I'm pausing. When uh, websites uh, first came out, the panel said that you should go to 10.com. And it was discovered that ten.com was actually a porn site. Amazing. <laughs> and they had to actually say, no, no, don't go to 10.com. You need to go to ten.com.au. Otherwise, you'll get something that probably rated. <laughs> yeah. <more. laughs> the rated porn. Wasn't it like Scott Morrison or someone with like the, the on Twitter, the person that just had Scott Morrison was like a porn actor or something? Or no, no, not Scott Morrison. <laughs> Somebody else that. At that Albo. Albo. Oh, Albo. Albo. That's right. Albo's Albo a porn MP. actor. There we go. That's right. <laughs> I'm resuming the Hatches and Dispatches. Please. Creek to Coast presenter Sally Jennings has announced that she will be departing the show after 23 years. Having been with the Queensland Travel Show since its inception, Jennings said her final episode will go to air Saturday, November 19th. Asked about leaving the program, Jennings said she wanted to do less giving no indication as to what's to come next or why she left. The West Australian-based production company Mindaroo Pictures have appointed a new executive director in Melinda Wink. She was previously executive director of Good Pitch Australia and executive director of Ian Darling's Shark Island Institute. At Mindaroo, she joins executive producer Richard Harris and development producer Cody Greenwood. Development producer Cody Greenwood. I just had a 17-year-old moth moment. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Kevin Conroy, best known for voicing the caped crusader in Batman, the animated series, has died aged 66 after a battle with cancer. 
He was the voice of Batman on the acclaimed animated series that ran from 1992 to 1996, continuing on as the almost exclusive animated voice of Batman, including some 15 films, 400 television episodes, and two dozen video games. His other credits include Cheers, Tour of Duty, and Murphy Brown. The industry will miss you, Kevin Conroy. And Robbo... That's this week's Hatches und Dispatches. Oh, I love Und Dispatches. Thank you, Mulkey. We're now going to open the TV binge box. Now, look, I, Al, you weren't here last week, but I pushed <laughs> for any series that was on binge.com.au. No one would listen to me, especially Matthew. Uh, so Matthew insisted that we go for The Crown Season 5, Episode 1 on some boutique bloody stream called Netflix. Uh, let's go around the uh, the group here. Uh, Matthew, first up, tell us a little bit about Season 5. I know it's had a little bit of uh Well, starting with The Crown, no. We've got to do our shows first. We watched. No, that's how I'm doing it. Welcome All to right, the sure. new world. Order, on, fuckers. Daddy, sure, let's do it. <laughs> Come on, then. Sorry. Yes, the crown. Now, this is obviously uh, profiling. That's not a word. Uh, profiling, I guess. Uh, the dramatization of the royal family, season five, episode one. Uh, I personally have only seen about halfway through season one. Wait, so what? I'm doing. I'm Wait, doing, I'm your doing a big jump. I, I'm You're having like an 80 year jump, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Like the time jump in, in, in my world is, is cool. crazy. I, this I can't was wait your to go choice. Back in time. You know, this was your choice season person. five. But I just chose something new on a whim because no one else had anything. I'm really glad you chose it because I love the crown. But don't everyone loved you, really. it when I suggested it last week. Yeah, but you suggested season five. Time. No, no, I love the crown, but you suggested season five. You haven't even bloody watched it. Because it's new, because it's no, just been released. Yeah, oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. So this episode that I've watched with <laughs> professional uh, with Emilda Staunton <laughs> as the Queen, I've heard, a, I've, I've read and heard a, a bit of criticism, a, a lot of it um, on the casting and and how the the people have played the 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 different members of the royal family. I personally didn't find an issue with anyone. Definitely Princess Diana, Elizabeth Debicki. Oh, she's amazing. Australia's own Princess Elizabeth Debicki, thanks. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that uh, that little addition there. Um, she's amazing. She absolutely uh, nails Princess Diana for, from what I know of Princess Diana and what we've definitely seen. Um, but I actually thought Imelda as the Queen was great. The gentleman that plays, uh, plays Prince Philip and Prince... Charles, who's now King Charles. I, I thought that they were all great in their roles from what I know. Um, I, I, I thought it was a really good first episode for a, for a new season. I, I would stick around after I go back, watch the rest <laughs> of it, and then come through again. <laughs> Matthew will be getting back to us in 2027. I know. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. I'm back about what you just said. So, firstly, we probably need to have some spoiler alerts for you, but um, this – Princess Diana dies. <gasps> what? Oh, for God's for sake, Al, just because it's Netflix, it doesn't mean that you can take the wind out of their sails. Rob McKnight would have your hide, let me tell you. His has strict I did, spoiler policy. I didn't this. Go ahead there. Sorry, Al, go ahead. But when The Crown came out, this is probably like, you know, a bit of TV history in 2016, it was kind of extraordinary when they announced mm. that, because they did it at the very beginning, they had a vision for where this series was going to go over six seasons and they said, you know, in a certain period of time and they would take it up to kind of the, the point that we caught up to real age um, or real life. But they said that they were going to replace the characters at every kind of age. And I remember in the first season and Claire Foy was brilliant mm. um, yeah. and, just, yeah. and just going like... 
why she's perfect she can be aged up and then we were talking about it the other day um in relation to house of the dragon and all the controversy yeah, yeah. about the the, the age leaps and the changing the cat yeah the yeah. season the, the character changing and this was kind of that uh, felt like netflix with the crown were one of the first to really do this and tell a story over such a long period of time and to change up the casting so it's interesting you jumped in on the casting there matt because it was a, it's a really big part of i think mm. what the crown's always been so famous and how quickly you catch up to the new actors that are playing and you mm. um partly because you've had a year or so off in between seasons probably, but just how what a good job they do to then define the the, the kind of roles as their own, even though someone else really good's just done it. Yeah, it's <laughs> yes, also yes. a real strength of it, isn't it, um, Ali and, and Matt? Because I think that not only do we get that, you know, new interpretations of the same character, but what we also get to see is some absolutely incredible performances from, as you mentioned, Claire Foy. We've seen Olivia Coleman. We're now seeing Imelda Staunton. All great the same woman. Yeah and, yeah, and I think the challenge for The Crown, particularly season five and what will be six, is that we have now really fast-forwarded into our current popular culture mm. memory. So yes. a criticism that I saw, and I've just cut in, I'm really sorry, a criticism that I saw was that people saying they don't really look like them. That's not uh, the f- point. I don't uh, think that, that we need to me. have the guy <sighs> playing Prince Charles look exactly like Prince Charles. He's doing all right. He's got it kind well, of happening. There's a bit of goss that people are thinking that Dominic West, of course, from The mm. Wire and The Affair, mm. uh, The Wire, now streaming on binge.com.au. Wait, yeah, No, but he, some people are saying he's too handsome to play Prince Charles. Oh, I, I thought... And that that's then making people go, this isn't believable. Because as you start to get into your near memory and this kind of near nostalgia mm. stuff, it I think it's going to get judged a little bit differently. I mean, breaking news, Elizabeth Debicki really makes it look like he's punching Willow up his weight anyway. So she's a lot taller than him too in some of the scenes. Yeah. What's her name again? Sorry, what's away her with it. last name again? I, Make I him don't... stand on a box. Debecky. 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 Oh, um, she's Debecky. in the uh, Kettering Incident, um, yes. which is a really good Australian original. Um, original. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, look, uh, sorry. Hey, Ali, Ali Barber, I can do it, but are you about to do another binge? <laughs> no, I, I was just going to give you a streaming stat. Since The Crown came out on the weekend, yes. Kettering Incident's gone up on binge. No, Whoosh, there you go. People started watching Happy it. So days. people are following the actor or kind of finding out a bit about sorry, him. Al, sorry, if I can just kind of pull it back for a little bit. <laughs> Al, if I wanted to watch that, where, where the bloody hell would I go, Dal? <laughs> what would I do? I think that one's on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> No one's going to believe that, sweetie. Uh, all right, you. Sorry for calling you sweetie. That was so bad and I called you girl before. Oh, my so God. So condescending. No, it's not meant to be condescending. That's loving. Sure. It's better than Ali Barber. Yeah, and which you've done all night. Oh, shit. All right. Is that it? That's it for the crown. Sorry, um, Alison. Wait. I, don't, I, I mean that it's like a character. You know, I'm having fun. You, I, I don't mean disrespect. I'm sorry. It's a fine. It's Would fine. you recommend people watch? It's a fine. It's a fine. That's a spicy meatball. Right, Ali, would I'm you recommend it. that people watch the rest of the Crown season five? Absolutely. I was in. I mean, it's another one that I love with the opening credits. It's one of those shows that just sets up for the quality and what you're about mm. to see. Mm. I've always thought the writing in The Crown, it was almost those, one of those shows when you binge it, you yep. almost watch it too quickly and you can't appreciate how yep. good some of the episodes are. So, yeah, I like a lot of people last weekend, uh, started binging away. So, no, watch it. Yep. I'm loving it. <clears throat> Matthew, would you recommend it after seeing half a season in one episode? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I yeah. thought it was really good. Yeah. I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what have you been watching this week? 
Uh, so nothing too extraordinary other than the challenge and the crown, as aforementioned. Um, but on binge.com.au, I have been watching a show that's just on there. It's not made by Binge. I'm sorry, Ellie. Uh, but Unusual Suspects. It's a, it's a little, it's a crime show. It, it's you know, true crime. It's in the name. It's someone, well, not necessarily the person that commits the murder, given that it's always a murder, um, is the, the killer, but it's just the suspects along the way. Because funnily enough, all of these victims have met 10 people. Like, I could, I can spend a whole day at home and not see anyone. So it's quite <laughs> amazing that when these people die, they happen to see 50 different people, three former flames, two people they were flirting with. Like, it's just like, oh, my God. I'm not sure if this you? is a cry for help or a promotion <laughs> for a <laughs> show. <laughs> This is the um like the doco one, the true yes. crime one. Yeah. Yes, yeah. This is this is it's documentary. Each episode's a different uh, case that's been solved. Yeah. Thankfully enough, um, so that one I, it's always been a comfort show. I've known it for a long time, and thank God it's on binge.com.au for me to watch it in at a moment's notice because I love it, especially when I'm sitting alone, not seeing anyone. Oh uh, my God! The other one, the other one I have watched. Um, it's a Netflix film. It's star- starring Mila Kunis. I hope I'm saying mm. that correctly. Uh, Luckiest Girl Alive. That was a really great movie. Uh, very confronting with various different themes that were going on. Um, I, I can't really recommend it enough. It, it hits a lot of things um, that I think need to probably be addressed society-wise, but just great acting and just great story. I, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, so definitely check that one out on Netflix. And that's from, um, it's got Australians behind it as well, Made Up Stories, Bruna Papandrea's production mm. company were involved in that film. So, yeah, that's on, my, that's on my list to watch. I'll, I'll have to watch it. It's great. Malky, what have you been watching? 200 shows as usual, Robbo. Um, two? But- You've got two. <sighs> look, if you have to nail me down. Okay, look, uh, I'll do two. <laughs> um, the first one is a Foxtel Group original, Upright, season two. Starring Tim Minchin and uh, look the star of House of the Dragon, Millie Alcock. Um, I was very fortunate to see the first three episodes at a premiere event last week, which is why I wasn't here, uh, and have since devoured the the other episodes on preview. But good news, if you want to watch all of season one and now all of season mm-mm, two, mm-mm. it's available it. on. You Don't guessed it. it. No, no. A binge.com that oh, I. <laughs> It is. A, it's a delightful tale. It really is a story in two halves for mine when you look now at the two seasons. The first season is about um, Lucky, played by Tim Minchin, and his desire to want to get this piano across the desert to be with his family. I won't spoil it. It's worth the watch. Um, and then season two really is about Meg, his travelling companion that he picks up in season one, and her desire to find her mum. Um, Great. They are half-hour episodes. It is really smartly written drama. Uh, I really enjoyed the character development that comes out of one and into season two. Um, One is a complete tale in itself, quite frankly, and season two is another complete tale. So I think you could watch two not having seen one, but there's so much benefit in having seen one before you watch two for some of that relational development and those sorts of things. I really, really loved it. I cannot recommend Upright um, season two and one, of course, uh, enough. Um, as a part of seeing the the first couple of eps, Tim Minchin and some of his band performed an original song that actually closes the season, um, and it is heartbreakingly beautiful and speaks to the nature of relationship that is typified in the show, and I think would speak to anybody that that has had um, that knows love 
and it's it's just a delightful, delightful song, delightful show, dramedy in the truest sense. It's weird and funny and sharp and wandery and so so good. Um, Upright, cannot recommend it enough. Definitely get into that on binge.com.au. Uh, the oh. other show that I'll talk about, Robo, only two. two. You'll be pleased. I've only done two. Thank you. Uh, the other show is on Netflix, and I'm going to rate it the drama of the year. Ooh. This is Stanley Tucci, David Tennant, written by Stephen Moffat, Inside Man. Oh. It is four hours of anxiety-ridden drama. Oh, my God. So incredibly well written and performed. Um, it it comes out of a situation that you would think in and of itself could happen to anyone in its first instance. And Having a man inside you? Possibly. You said Inside Man, didn't you? Wasn't it, the title Inside Man? It is called Inside Man. <laughs> so you're suggesting um, that anyone can imagine having a man inside. Okay, go on. Yeah, I'm with you. Anyone could imagine that, but that's not what it's about. Um, Stanley Tucci's character is on death row in America. And <clears throat> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he's the mm-hmm. inside man. Mm-hmm. David yeah. Tennant is a vicar in uh, a, a quaint little British town. Dibley, no. no. Sorry, I'm making fun of you. I'm so sorry. Go on. No, That's great. You're yeah. just prolonging the podcast. That's all it is. <laughs> what happens is, like I said, can happen to anyone, but how it then rolls out and plays out and decisions that are made, my wife and I watched it and it, it, we were just on edge. The, and you get to the point in every episode where you're like, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. You can't do that. And they do it. And it's... You just get drawn into this series and series and series of decisions that they make. It's crafted so, so well, which is a rarity for me to say about Stephen Moffat written stuff. But <laughs> the performances are, are, are razor sharp. And the way even that the, those two key characters in Tucci and Tennant um, cut into the series together is... Honestly, I'm going to say it's a masterclass in plotting, if nothing else. Definitely set aside four hours. You will not want to split it up. Inside Man on Netflix. Uh, it's a BBC drama, I think, that Netflix it's a co-pro with. Uh, so if you're in the UK, it's on BBC. Everywhere else, it's Netflix. Holy shit. You will just be... You'll walk away from it feeling like you've just... All of the adrenaline will be coursing through your body. It's amazing. Don't watch it before bed. Whoa, what a wrap. Mm. Very, That's very two good. That's shows, Robert. Thank you very much, Malky. Alison Hubert Burns, what have you been watching? Am I allowed to have two as well? Because it's like Please. trying to pick your favourite child. Mm. Um, one of my shows, I think last year, we've got a, a binge podcast and we get we were talking about the shows that got us through 2021 and then thinking about the shows that got us through 2022. One of my favourite dramas of the year is a show called Industry, which mm. is a co-production between BBC and HBO. And it's, it's set... Choice. It's kind of like someone said to me, and I hate when you mush up shows to kind of explain what a show is, but I'm going to do it, which is Euphoria meets Succession. So it's young people working in a bank in London and they are ambitious and they're from really diverse backgrounds. Some are born with silver spoons in their mouth. Some have come in the hard way. Um, But it's actually written and created by two ex-bankers. Who? So it's kind of really kind of true to banking and, and but not in like a, it's all about banking. It's actually mm. about humans and, and what motivates them and almost the younger generation going, do I even, I'm fighting for this role and all this money and power, but do I actually even want it and at yep. what price? It's really some brilliant, brilliant performances, some of the actors and stuff. Um, 
involved will just be breakout stars and, you know, you'll start seeing them in absolutely everything. It's just been renewed for a third season, which is great because it took a while for the the renewal announcement to come out and I was a bit worried, but there's two seasons. So if you're looking for something, I think there's like eight or ten eps a season so you can do a total binge, Um, but, but really brilliant drama, really good show, great soundtrack, just brilliantly done, very classy. Um, And the other one, which um, isn't available yet for everyone, we've got the launch coming next week, but it's um, our next original um, called Colin from Accounts, which is an Australian Mm. comedy. Mm. I know you're talking about Upright, but um, once you're through watching Upright and you need something else funny and gorgeous, but Colin from Accounts is, um, yeah, our first comedy from Binge. It's created and written and stars Patrick Bremmel and Harriet Dyer. Um, It's directed by Trent O'Donnell and Matt Moore. It's got a cast of really recognisable, awesome Australian actors and um, I just can't wait for Australia to to see this soon. So look out for Old Colin from Accounts. It was shot, um, it was actually shot in New South Wales, this one, and across different parts of Sydney. Um, But, yeah, we've got Paddy and Harriet coming back from LA next week because they come on bounce between here and, and, and the kind of Roo crew in LA and, um, yeah, to launch it. So Colin from Accounts. Robo, this is where I announce that I won't be on the podcast next week because I'm going to be at that Colin from Accounts event. (laughs) We'll make him record from the red carpet. How about that? Well, I was going to say, the amount of times we've said binge.com.au, I think we'll all be there. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) LHV. Yeah, no podcast next week. Everyone's coming to the party. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Thank you very much, guys. We're going to talk about my binge this week, and it is You Can't Ask That on the ABC. Now, I thought about picking a certain episode, and I thought, no, that's not what I want to do because I think that's not the beauty of the show. I think that Mm. if everyone goes to ABC iView and and pick uh, an episode that speaks to you, and then I think we can talk about that next week, and I think that'll be really special because there are so many episodes uh, that, uh, you know, you – you can make really personal to yourself or personal to someone that you know. Yeah. And I, I've and I've been a big fan of this show for a long time, but haven't really delved into it enough and or given it the respect I think it deserves. It's an amazing show. It's on iView. Uh, pick whatever episode you like. And also people listening at home, pick pick the episode that you like and let us know what you think at tvblackbox.com.au. So that's uh, a group binge next week, Robbo, as you can yeah, ask that's that. Right. Yep. And just pick your episode, and I think that's the way to go. I, it is just wonderful. All right, that's all we've got time for tonight on TV Black Box. A big thank you to Mulk. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you to Matthew Simmons. Thank you once again. Abby Mickelson for doing what she does. Super producer. She doesn't know how to turn a mic on. Uh, She's new to this. And a very big thank you to my dear friend. We've been friends for a long time. Ali Barber, (laughs) AHB, the HB Pencil, Alison Hubert-Burns. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ali. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Ali. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Thanks, You know what's really fun, though? Is I'm going to give you my email address. And if you just want to... I mean, I want to watch... that show you just talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to watch that show um, and other shows that you've got on binge.com.au. Uh, so we'll talk off air. Thank God. you for your company here on TV Black Box, the podcast. Remember, for all your TV news, just head to tvblackbox.com.au. We were going to have uh, Rob McKnight as a guest, but we've run out of time, everyone. We don't have time for you, Rob, so we, we'll try and fit you in next week. Uh, that's me. That's all from me. That's all from me, David Robinson. Have a great night. Goodbye. 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.